Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on august 22nd 2013 sairam dear listeners you're tuned to radio sai global harmony for this special thursday live broadcast and like on every thursday here i am arvind from team radio sai coming for the afternoon satsang today we are sure excited and pepped up about today satyam shivam sundaram joining me today as every week is prem sairam prem sairam arvind and sairam to all listeners of radio sai the year that we have now arrived to in the satyam shivam sundaram 1947 okay it was a period of great unrest everywhere the world war had just concluded the whole world almost was in shambles india in particular too you know was gearing up for independence and though we won independence on august 15 1947 it was a period of great unrest because the partition took place there was they the were task of bringing all the provinces together you know the kingdoms and provinces together under one country at the same time there was this partition that partition was going on happened. there were riots all around the country people were being killed and there was so much of lack of peace unrest there was so much of unrest and amidst all that a brilliant light was shining in one remote hamlet in one corner of andhra pradesh in anantpur and just visualizing that situation itself makes us feel peaceful because even at that time it was swami and puttaparthi that was the light amidst the unrest and even today it continues to be swami and puttaparthi continue to be the light amidst all this chaos and unrest and i really found it true reading the stories very true and that's why we are so fascinated and excited about doing this satsang on satyam shivam sundaram as arvind told you we are in the year 1947 we spoke of that you know a epoch making letter which swami wrote to his brother and now we i think we are in that stage where swami is also traveling people are also coming to puttaparthi and uh, you know one of the features of this period especially in satyam shivam sundaram professor kasturi mentions he said swami came out as a very very different person you know that was a time when there were a lot of saints sadhus and people who you know fakirs around mm-hmm. but here was swami swami was very different the way he dressed was different the way he appeared was very different for mm. the people you know the rajas and maharajas who had seen saintly people swami was appearing different and not only was swami this very tender and delicate looking teenager but swami was also a strict disciplinarian mm. you know he was coming out as a person who was very clear of what he wanted what he expected from people who would come to him and that was a feature of swami's uh, personality then and even now <laughs> exactly in our last discussion we had reached the point where you know the first akhand bhajan 
was held towards the end of 1946 well before we plunge into 1947 there are one or two incidents wonderful ones that happened in 1946 dear listeners let us assure you that the next 1 hour or so is going to be filled with incidents and stories galore because that is what swami did in those days at even the physical level right so to start off with a lot of families during those times mm-hmm. made their way to swami and those families have become kind of immortal today you know we have the kuppam family we have the families from gindi the yadalam family the yadalam family from bukapatnam like that there was one more family mm-hmm. one of gummagutta subbarao okay. who was also from bukapatnam mm-hmm. the amazing thing was the way swami entered his life in 1946 mm-hmm. it happened during the dasra so before we go into his story i think we should just briefly talk of how dasra was right actually 1946 was the first ever dasra in the mandir mm-hmm. in the path mandir the old mandir which was the new mandir then right so for dasra tents and other shamianas you know they were brought from bangalore because there was no accommodation facilities at all the hall which swami called as his mandir could accommodate only about 20 or 30 people and so tents were put up all around and vessels had to be brought for cooking at the same time for the first time in puttaparthi a generator was brought mm-hmm. to provide continuous electricity, electricity supply you know for the function it was planned as a 9 day event the dasara the problem was when the generator was brought they had not brought sufficient fuel mm-hmm. so very fast it ran out of fuel and they did not know what to do and guess what swami asked for a drum of water put his finger into it mm-hmm. and just made a few circles in the water and said feed the generator and thus it was that a miracle was performed so casually mm-hmm. that is one more beautiful thing about swami he doesn't make a fuss or an ado about the miracles that he does so without fuss the drum filled with water was poured into the generator and the generator ran for all the 9 days you know providing electricity in this and for all the 9 days there was a procession a palanquin was made a regal palanquin mm-hmm. decked with flowers and a really huge one it might have measured about 3 meters by 2 meters in size right. it was so big that it was often on some days it was carried on a bullock cart and if the procession had to go far you know for example on a few days the procession went as far up to bukapatnam that is about 5 kilometers away from puttaparthi okay. on those days the palanquin was placed on a jeep mm-hmm. so every day there used to be this procession and in the evening in the morning there would be worship and bhajans after which swami would feed everyone with a sumptuous feast mm-hmm. so this was the schedule for the 9 days Okay. And many interesting things happened during the procession. I'm sure Prem you would have heard about how you know once when Swami was going in a procession Swami suddenly stopped and said turn back and okay. asked the procession to be taken in another direction. Okay. So they saw that this direction was heading back to the mandir from where they came from. Mm-hmm. So they wondered why is Swami terminating the procession so abruptly. And when they reached the mandir they caught hold of 15 people who were trying to jump across the wall and run away. these people were actually robbing all the people's oh, belongings that okay. were there <laughs> they were caught they apologized they said they were not thieves it was just the temptation that they couldn't overcome mm-hmm. so swami forgave them and took a promise from them that they would never do it again and 
in that manner you know it was a win win the robbers benefited and at the same time devotees too were saved from this robbery so such interesting things happened during the procession another thing that we often read about is how swami would pluck the flowers that were decking the palanquin and throw them and yeah, these flowers right. would change into medallions and lockets i'm sure you've heard of that right i think even kasturi writes about that hmm. even as late as one of the dasharas he was part of uh-huh. not the first or second one even in that he says that swami plucked flowers from the garland he was wearing hmm. and throwing in each one of getting lockets of you know having the image of swami and of shilti baba and uh, you know even uh, the kupam family's account of swami's early dashara used to be very beautiful hmm. how that every palanquin used to be unique one used to be of a peacock one of a swan or in you know, every one they the shape of the uh, the shape of the one with a huge home i think that's a picture which is very common correct a, a home in the background home huh. in the background it'll be a wonderful sight to see these pictures yes now coming back to why this dasara came up so it was during one such procession you know this we said about gumagutta subara he was a devotee of radha krishna that form of krishna which is associated with radha right and when his wife came to know of shirdi baba she became a staunch follower shirdi baba he did not like this he did not like his wife going to some muslim fakir mm-hmm. and offering her devotion and dedication there that was when he had a dream in which he saw shirdi baba and shirdi baba slowly transformed into his beloved radha krishna okay that was when he got convinced about the unity of his dear krishna and shirdi baba and so he had accepted shirdi baba and now you know again his wife tipamma she got to know of this balasai this young okay. sai in puttaparthi they had settled in bukapatnam which is very close to puttaparthi right so she visited swami and she became a staunch follower of swami now this was something that her <laughs> husband could not take he said okay that muslim fakir okay and he proved at least he was an elderly person so this young you know he is a chit of a boy and you are now telling that he is the same what is this just because some baba says something don't run behind all this and that was his opinion but his wife was staunch and fixed and so this subarao came up with a condition he said i will not come for the dasara procession that you are calling i will not be part of that if that sai baba that lad of yours wants let him bring the procession to bukapatnam mm-hmm. he did not stop at that he said when he comes in the procession he should stop at our house get down enter our house go to the puja room and partake the prasadam that has been kept there <laughs> you know then i will believe that he is god he simply thought i'll put a very you know rigorous condition which very unlikely to be fulfilled but to his shock that same day swami's palanquin was taken in a procession not on a bullock cart but on a jeep okay. and the jeep comes to bukapatnam and in the evening as the jeep is passing through the village swami stops at his home gets down without an explanation walks straight into the puja room that is the altar and takes the sweet that had been placed there for the lord consumes the whole thing then turns around comes straight to subarao and says calling him by name you know the name okay. says subarao are you satisfied now such was his shock that he simply collapsed unconscious he just could not believe the sequence of events that had happened he was so shocked that swami had to materialize vibhuti and revive him but then it must be said to the credit of subarao that that instant he became swami's devotee and he had a very fond corner in his heart for swami 
Swami too had a very fond corner in his heart for Subbarao. In fact, it is said that on a few occasions after that Dasara in 1946, Swami would simply walk from Puttaparthi to Bukapatnam. Okay. And go to Subbarao's home. Mm-hmm. It would be late in the night. Subbarao would already be asleep. So Swami would go and adjust and lie down next to Subbarao on the same cot. Oh my God. <laughs> and imagine when Subbarao wakes up next morning, he sees Swami by his side. and he's so thrilled because he knows it's his lord so he would try to get up silently without waking up swami run and get the hot water ready for swami's bath and then wake up swami and swami would go have his bath in the meanwhile there would be complete confusion and chaos in puttaparthi <laughs> with ishwaramma raising alarm that swami is not there where is swami where is swami people would search all around and then they would get to know that swami has gone to subbarao's home in bukapatnam and this happened on several occasions like this <laughs> so beautiful on yeah. one occasion you know subbarao had a dream mm-hmm. in which swami came and told him i am coming today with guests mm-hmm. keep food ready so immediately subbarao and his wife spent the whole day in the kitchen because when swami comes he comes with his whole entourage so they expected at least 20 people to come so they cooked food for 20 people for the evening and swami does not turn up so what else they just go to bed next day early in the morning swami turns up Okay. and he has with him an entourage of 100 people mm-hmm. the dasara has just concluded and all the devotees he has just got them off here <laughs> and you know subbarao is shocked he said swami we have cooked but it's last night food and swami we have cooked only for 20 people swami says no problem goes in just taps on the vessels and it's steaming hot fresh food which is sufficient for 100 people and even more in fact Subbarao and his wife both of them get so many compliments from the guests saying how amazing that so early in the morning you have cooked such tasty food for 100 people because 100 people in those days was an unimaginable crowd so such were the experiences in fact i believe that swami promised uh, subbarao that the people in the gumagutta family they would all have their last life because of that beautiful association that they shared with swami see the beauty of the lord you know in an instant he can give deliverance really beautiful you know especially that incident of you narrated how he went into swami's house you know here was swami doing something to enter into the heart of a person hmm. and then you followed it up with so many incidences where swami made sure that he secures that place hmm. and i'm reminded of what one of my classmates once shared with me hmm. of how swami visited their house when you know his grandfather's house actually okay you know It seems he Swami was being invited to that person's house for a long time, mm. and Swami kept saying that I will come one day, I will come one day, I will come. And one particular trip when Swami visited the town where this family was staying, mm. Swami called his grandfather and said, "I'm coming to your house." Okay. Okay. All of a sudden, and he said, "I'm coming tomorrow." So they were getting everything ready. They were getting the house cleaned, and all the daughters and sons of that uh, family uh-huh. were together and cooking for Swami. And as expected, Swami arrived. before expected time you know okay you can and literally everybody was running around and then they realized that swami was early for lunch and the lunch was still being prepared so they didn't know what to do and they were just showing swami around the house taking him to the garden and you know, spending trying, time just killing time <laughs> and uh, somebody got an idea they said swami will you come and visit our puja room and mm-hmm. uh, as an act of sanctifying the place of worship swami said yeah puja room come come take me there mm. and so they took swami to the puja room and Standing there, Swami asked them, "Do you have a pen? Do you have a marker pen?" And they're wondering why Swami is asking for a marker pen. So they ran around and they got one of those marker pens. And Swami told them, 
on this wall right today's date okay they said okay and they wrote the days and date and swami said right beside it swami visited our house okay in the puja room so they said they were very happy that swami is you know mm. in front of swami they getting a opportunity to document this so they wrote there swami visited our house and just then swami turned to one of the daughters of that person and looked at her into her eyes and he said henceforth you will remember this day as the day swami visited your house not as the day your husband passed away oh it was many years on the same day her husband had passed away and wow. you know in all this thing they had completely forgotten about it and nobody had even told that to swami but here was swami you know clearly removing a, an event of sorrow and replacing it with such a joyous moment that is what swami does you know he replaces our tears with more tears really the only thing is the tears of sorrow are gone and tears of joy well up tears of gratitude because you know that once you are safe and secure in swami's hands nothing can happen in fact another incident that happened immediately after dasara mm-hmm. you know after the dasara that we spoke about in 1946 swami left for mysore Okay. Swami was a grand tourer those days so he left for Mysore and then the festival of Deepavali came you know when the festival of Deepavali came people missed Swami Swami's mm-hmm. presence in Puttaparthi so they did the worship they did the puja all that had to be done and but they there was that sense of sorrow in their hearts that Swami is not here and when all the citizens of Puttaparthi went to sleep at night somewhere around 1 o'clock in the morning they hear sounds of a motorcade mm-hmm. and they also see lights at a distance somewhere beyond the village of karnatanagipalli so that was the only existing road then so they suddenly understood realized that here was swami returning back to puttaparthi okay so they thought that was a motorcade because swami would come in the cart in karnatanagipalli and from there then on it's either by bullock cart or on foot right and you can see it from the distance the car turning in yeah the road right so they all rushed so when they rushed there not everybody many who woke up rushed to the spot in front of their eyes they saw that the cars that appeared to be coming were just gone and the sound everything ceased the whole thing itself was an illusion mm-hmm. so much so that people wondered whether they were dreaming whether they were sleepwalking because they could have sworn that they saw the motorcade but then nothing came so they were wondering what happened and by the time they returned to the village it was break of dawn and they started the morning worship uh, in the mandir you know even as early as 1946 even within an year of building the patha mandiram swami had ensured that whether he is physically there or not the puja goes on in the mandir okay but today when they were doing the puja something very strange and interesting they saw they saw that there was a cobra mm-hmm. sitting in the altar right and this cobra was silvery white and it just sat still so they were also thrilled that this is something very special who has seen a silver colored cobra everybody started bowing to it offering coconuts offering kumkum haldi and the surprising thing was that though there was a huge crowd that was gathering and doing all this the cobra did not seem to get scared nor did it hiss it accepted all the offerings and was there till about 3 in the afternoon <laughs> after which it slithered away all the residents were thrilled that it was swami in this form who came to bless them on deepavali day story does not end here okay in mysore yeah. swami was at the home 
ऑफ करुणाम्बर रामामूर्ती ओके एंड शी रिकॉल्स दैट स्वामी सडनली फेल इन टू अ ट्रांस एट नाइट दे अज्यूम दैट इट वॉज अ ट्रांस बिकॉज इट वॉज नॉट स्लीप बिकॉज यू वुड नॉट वेक अप इन द मॉर्निंग एट ऑल दे आर वॉन्डरिंग वॉट हैपन एंड स्वामी इज स्लीपिंग थ्रू द डे एंड दिस इज स्वामी वोक अप एट समाइम अबाउट सिक्स इन द इवनिंग इट वॉज एज इफ स्वामी लेफ्ट देर एज अ कोबरा एंड टुक द टाइम नीडेड टू ट्रैवल बाय अ सुपरफास्ट कार बैक एंड ही वोक अप एंड देन कैरिड ऑन विद अदर एक्टिविटीज इन मैसूर so that was what happened during See, deepavali this particular incident there's another very light moment which happened ha huh? because the snake was there and it was you know not scared of the people who were gathering around and usually snakes are very scared you know they would never stand in a place where there's a crowd correct so when when they saw the snake being there they thought that they could worship it so hmm. that's when all the ladies started bringing coconuts and kumkum they in fact some even scattered <laughs> kumkum on the snake on the snake yes and started worship and the snake was still it was just accepting all the worship in uh, you know professor kasturi notes that one particular lady came and started squabbling you know when they offer coconuts there was a priest who was breaking and giving back the coconuts as prasadam they give back one half as yeah, prasadam right. yeah and this one lady started fighting that the coconut i gave was bigger and you're giving me a smaller piece okay you know, in all the crowd oh, you just get one piece of the coconut right not necessarily the one which you You offered, ha ha ha. So she said, "No, no, I offer with a bigger one, and you're giving a small one." <laughs> okay. And he said, "That was the only time the snake hissed in anger." Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. yes, yes, yes. I remember reading that. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice thing. <laughs> so, yeah, there also, apart from being like the loving mother, the strict father in Swami's side was right. also seen. And devotees, <laughs> as devotees, we also stick to our own <laughs> little-mindedness. A lot of beautiful stories are yet to come, and you know, in that year, that period which you have told. But before that, we'll just take a short break, and we'll continue talking about Swami's beautiful incidents during that period.
It's again one of those beautiful songs from that uh, series Geetam Lo, Satisai Geetam Lo. And one of the songs which the Kupam family used to compose and some songs which Swami himself composed and they all tuned and sang. Yeah, speaking of Kupam family, you know, uh, the members of the family, I forget his name anyway, the name is not important, but they said that they had one person who was a very good composer. Mm-hmm. And so, their visit to Puttaparthi, they were very thrilled about their visit to Puttaparthi because they would get a chance to see Swami. But even Swami would apparently be very excited because they would come with new compositions mm-hmm. and they would sing it very well too. In fact, he would not want them to leave Puttaparthi itself. In the May of 1947, we discussed in the last satsang, how it was in the May of 1947, Swami wrote that historic letter to his brother. Right. In the same May of 1947, the members of the Kuppam family were in Puttaparthi. And they were in Puttaparthi because Swami was not ready to let them go back home. He used to tell them, you stay here. Why do you want to go? In fact, in that May, there were many children in that family, you know, I think about... Three girls and four boys or something like that. About seven to eight children. And three of them had an exam. The SSLC examination. Secondary school leaving certificate examination. That is called 10th grade. They had to write that exam. So they said, Swami, we have to go. So Swami said, okay, you can go. But now, you know, they were worried because they have not studied anything for the exam. They will be going and within a day, they will have to write their exams. Swami said, you don't worry waved his hand and created two stamp size photographs of, of himself and he told them you go and paste these photographs on your examination pad and then don't worry I will take care and though in a physical sense he didn't do what he did for Ramesh and Suresh <laughs> they say that the exams went by like a breeze and it was almost as if exactly what they had just glanced at those questions had come and they seemed to have an exceptional memory and they did very well in their exams and they have no doubts in knowing that the person who did it for them was that person in that little photograph that they had stuck on their examination pads. Something quite similar to this is what uh, Mrs. Gita Mondram narrates about mm. her family. You know, may, may not be exactly during that time. She says when one of her aunts comes to Parthi, Swami mm. doesn't let her go back. Okay. You know, Swami says, no, no, you have to stay for some more time. No, Dashara is coming, you have to stay. Birthday is coming, you have to stay. Mm. And eventually she says, Swami, I've left my children alone and they have exams. I can't leave them alone for so long. Swami says, no, no, they'll take care of themselves and I'm with them, I will take care of them and all that. Mm. So Swami writes a letter to those children saying that, don't worry, I'm there with you. Don't miss your mother. And that's the essence of the letter. Swami writes. And in that letter, Swami actually describes many of the events which have happened in that house. Saying mm. that yesterday you put more water in the rice, you know, day before yesterday you forgot to do this, you forgot to lock to this one. Giving very, very small, small incidences, showing them that, you know, I'm always with you. Mm. And then in the last part of the letter, Swami says that in spite of all this, if you don't believe that I'm with you, the dog in your house, just think of it as when it comes in the night, the dog will become God and it will protect you. Oh, wow. This is, I think, a very, very common thing where Swami used to be so obsessed when people come in those days Swami would never allow them to go invariably they will come for 3 days 4 days and would never go back till a month or so you know this brings one more facet about Swami you know he's like the god of small things I would love to use that phrase for him because it is not that Swami has done huge huge things it's not that every devotee who has come has been cured of cancer Uh, has faced or experienced a stupendous miracle which is just jaw-dropping or eye-opening. Of course, Swami has done those things. 
but most of the people we speak to even today swami won their hearts over by little little things small small things that you know that it has to be somebody special if they have to do these small things for me small things i mean he may do things which may mean nothing or which may be very small for the world but it means the world for the person for whom he does that that is what i, I we had discussed in one satsang also true. you know I, i can't help but narrate one small incident which one of our seniors narrated hmm? of you know how exactly this you know very small things we are small people have small fears and small apprehensions and how swami responds even to that hmm. you know when he was a student okay uh, that was a time when swami was talking to him every day hmm. and when you are in that phase you have to tell everything to swami what you did in the morning what you did in this one what happened at, in college swami ask in fact you are also searching for as many things to tell swami right. because swami exactly. is lending his ear yes and swami also will ask for all trivialities of, you know of your daily uh, happenings hmm. and during that time for some reason you know he he had to travel by a scooter to take somebody to the hospital or something some errand came up and you know in the process they met with an accident and he injured his leg so you know he had this bandaid and uh, he knew that swami is going to ask why this happened so he knows that if swami asks and he says this is what happened and swami will get upset with the warden and swami will get upset with the other boy who took him on the scooter hmm. okay so he knew that if he is going to narrate this incident he is going to get those people into problem hmm. so when so he was sitting with swami in swami's presence in you know mentally he was telling swami swami please don't ask about my injury Hmm. because if you ask me i cannot tell a lie okay and if i tell the truth i will be getting these people into problem hmm. okay and he says because i know anyway you know it but today don't ask me about this you know just get me out of this predicament of having to put these people into trouble hmm. so and swami was talking something to the other boy you know in swami's presence and suddenly swami looked at this boy and asked him hey have you seen this uh, chenchu lakshmi drama <laughs> Okay, what is Chenchu Lakshmi drama? Okay, there was some drama which was uh, staged in front of Swami so many years back, mm-hmm. and Swami suddenly asked me, "Have you seen this Chenchu Lakshmi drama?" So, you know, everybody was wondering why Swami is asking about this drama, just like how you we were wondering. Hmm. And this boy said, "Yes, Swami, I have seen." Ah, uh, okay. And Swami continued, <laughs> you know, giving a very meaningful smile. Only that boy knew, and only Swami knew, because that boy who actually took this fellow on the scooter, his surname was Chenchu. <laughs> Oh okay. And in a very very cryptic way Swami actually told him that I know you went with this fellow and I know this has happened but don't worry I'm not going to talk about it. You know that's that's the thing the small our small apprehensions our small fears Swami acknowledges and how Swami plays along you know literally that's what endears him to your heart. And that's what endeared Swami even in those days you know. That is why many people who did not come to swami did not understand what was happening swami often says come see for yourself experience and then have faith so many people would make conclusions like we do you know we have our own biases we have our own preconceived notions based on that we form our conclusions that is what happened to swami then because all those who came with the intention of experiencing him definitely had an experience and they believed all the sincere seekers were granted i am reminded of the story of a hermit who came from badrinath mm-hmm. you know he had done a lot of intense penance and tapas and that was seen in his very face and demeanor people felt a kind of light emanating from him he was so bright and the tejas that they call 
you know it is not a physical brightness it is the light of wisdom right. or the light of your penance that is showing they felt this and he came and he heard about sai baba so that is what made him come to puttaparthi and when he came he sat near the current day satyabhama temple mm-hmm. it was there then also we know we have right. we narrated how uh, swami's grandfather kondamaraju so he sat in the courtyard of that temple and he also had these powers you know these siddhis he began to wave his hand materialize kumkum materialize vibhuti materialize sweets and so now those detractors of swami who felt that you know swami out of nowhere has come and what is he who had not experienced him they started coming and you know becoming psychophants for this hermit and they said yes you are the correct person who will teach a lesson to that arrogant and insolent lad he thinks no end of himself and all this they started feeling the hermit was not person who was against sai baba but his curiosity was peaked so that was the time when one of the sons from the kuppam family mm-hmm. was staying along with swami in the mandir okay so as this boy was passing by one of these people who were anti swami mm-hmm. pointed out to the hermit and said you know that boy that boy he stays with swami you call him and you ask him so this hermit called that boy called this boy from the kuppam family and said tell tell your sai baba tell your swami to come and meet me in fact i forgot to mention that even as this hermit came to puttaparthi swami had issued orders that he should not be allowed into the mandir okay so the hermit was you know he was a little upset thinking how is it that a person of his stature is not being allowed it becomes a license for you to say that you know swami is scared of me that's why he doesn't want me to exactly you know, and that license confront him <laughs> that license was built upon by the other people so they said right. that is it so therefore they started backing this hermit so now this boy goes to swami and he says swami you know that hermit he is saying that he wants to meet you and so swami said why did you go that way don't go don't cross paths with him and no need i'm not going to come and see him send him away with that now as i said this uh, this hermit was from badrinath so he was a devotee of lord badrinath that is right. lord vishnu at badri so he is that is by badrinath lord of badri so vishnu in a meditative pose that's what it is so he used to shout out jai badrinath and once again he went and caught hold of this boy and said why why your swami did not come mm-hmm. so as i said this sadhu too had his own magnificent presence and that aura about him so this boy got a little scared he said i will call swami immediately and he rushed back and he said swami i didn't go but he only caught me this time you do something i don't know he wants to meet you then swami tells him okay tell him to come for bhajans today which means that ban on the sadhu was lifted and the sadhu also said okay fine i am coming so he attend he comes for the bhajan during the bhajan session everybody notices that the sadhu is so lost in the singing in fact in the middle of the bhajans swami stops and calls out for the sadhu mm-hmm. and tells him you start singing bhajans and the sadhu sang very melodiously he sang 3 4 bhajans on his lord badrinath after singing that swami said it's time for aarti and this boy who used to stay with swami he was called to give the aarti immediately after aarti was over swami walks away and this boy sees that this hermit is in throes of great ecstasy he is almost dancing in the mandir 
in fact he comes running to this boy and this sadhu this hermit was very well built he was mustached he had a long beard and he was very strong right he lifted up this boy put him on his shoulder and began to dance shouting i have seen my badrinath i have seen my badrinath jay badrinath jay he was in ecstasy you know literally as swami had said come see experience for yourself and then have faith he was so thrilled with that experience and as he was dancing he carried this boy on his shoulders back to his place where he was near the satyabhama temple and then he told the boy tell tell swami that my life's objective is achieved i'm leaving tomorrow i want nothing else and this when he conveyed swami then told the same thing swami said no tell him to stay tell him to stay for at least one more day and the next day swami personally invited him had a feast prepared fed the sadhu personally and then sent him away with tears of bliss and great fulfillment and joy in the heart everybody who came to swami seeking the truth or wanting to know with some sincerity in their heart were rewarded beyond measure you know even as you're talking about how swami touched this sadhu's life mm-hmm. there's another mention of uh, one of the sanyasis who came to swami in this very chapter in satyam shamsundaram mm-hmm. that of swami sachidananda okay he was actually a very uh, pious uh, old man he was 70 odd summers old mm-hmm. and you know when he came to swami he was actually one of the administrative staff of a ashram okay in rishikesh huh. so when he came to swami in you know, kasturi rides can you imagine here is swami who is a 21 year old or 20 year old mm-hmm. and here is a 70 year old man who as you said you know you could see on his face the tapas that he had done and the penance that he had undertaken that glow was there that wisdom was there to be seen mm. and here was swami patting him on his back and giving him advice <laughs> and you know what swami told him was very beautiful he said why are you getting caught up in all this administration and ashram politics and all that hmm. you know why are you getting into organizing movements and all give up all this hmm. why do you do all this he said you you know retire into a cave in the himalayas hmm. and you sit there and you do your sadhana there hmm. and somebody said i assure you that the vibrations that yogic practice creates that will penetrate the walls of the cave and come and benefit the people around much more hmm. than you you know trying to organize spiritual movements and retreats Wow that's a very a uh, strong message for all of us to prem it shows us the importance of personal sadhana we often feel that you know we have to go out and change the world out there change the nation out there the advice that swami gave to sachidananda as you said it shows that if we do our sadhana sincerely that is enough because the benefit of that sadhana cannot be stopped by the walls cannot be stopped by anything absolutely it will reach that is how swami's glory has spread right i mean in spite of all the negative publicity that happened nothing could stem the flow of visitors and nothing stems the flow of visitors even today just the other day in the uh, store you know as i was helping there to sell the dvds sai blossom products mm-hmm. a group came and they were all from sri lanka and all of these devotees have come for the first time they came to know about swami after the mahasamadhi I mean what makes people they are not very rich people they are a middle income families come from far off sri lanka it is definitely far compared to madras bombay or right. bangalore from sri lanka and they are coming to india just for the sake of puttaparthi they are not coming for the sake of mumbai or chennai not to see agra not to see the taj mahal they are coming to india just to visit sai baba about whom so much negative is going on 
because they said that the attraction was so tremendous that is that is swami's magic because he came for individuals he doesn't care for institutions nor does he care for his own name he just cares for the growth the spiritual growth of individuals and that he will achieve with us or in spite of us in fact you know talking of swami sachidananda you'll be interested to know that he was a person ha huh? who was present with swami when that incident in bhopal happened Oh Swami yeah shouted, the don't shoot don't shoot <laughs> yes he was a person who was with swami and it actually happened in kodaikanal that's what he narrated so he had the opportunity to spend about 3 weeks to a month with swami in kodaikanal and when Correct. he came back you know swami asked him to speak i remember because when we discussed about the telegram we right. spoke about this and in fact swami sachidananda i forgot the exact date now i think it is something like 28th August or September in 1958 right 58 that was when the the watavriksha 57 right. 1957 the watavriksha was right uh, swami planted the yes and during that occasion swami sachidananda said swami i must narrate this incident <laughs> and that was when that this bhopal telegram incident was right. narrated for the first time in swami's and presence and he narrated that's what he said he said i have absolutely no doubt mm. that swami is that sarvantaryami who is there in each one of us who is there everywhere and then he narrates this incident what he said uh, this is something amazing because the greatest of yogic practices culminate in teaching you kaya pravesha where you can enter another's body right but here he is saying this is kaya srishti creation of body and not one three along with all the external paraphernalia <laughs> that is the bag baggage and luggage yes yeah thank you for rekindling that right. memory of swami sachidananda that was the thing you know that is the variety of people swami was touching hmm. because here we spoke about that kupam family swami was going and spending time with them we, we spoke about those families in bukapatnam where you know swami so beautifully swami went and slithered and slept on the same bed you know <laughs> so stealthily and the other incident which Kasturi narrates, you know, which happened during this period, is once when Swami went to the Chitravati sands with the devotees. Mm-hmm. Swami went into one of the hills on the other side of Chitravati, mm-hmm. and Swami just walked into one particular cave or one particular clearing over there. Mm-hmm. And there, there were about seventeen dacoits or thieves who were sitting in, you know, sharing within the themselves booty. sharing the booty of the day. Oh, okay. And they were really surprised to see that Swami is standing there. and swami did not you know shouted them or anything swami materialized vibhuti and gave it to each one of them hmm. and kasturi writes that that was enough when they received that vibhuti and they ate that vibhuti they felt that this was not an ordinary person you know that was how instantly swami gave them that faith in what swami was and then swami advised them he said why did you do all this and swami persuaded them to come back into the village and settle like the other villages and till the end there were people that who had taken up professions which were more righteous and they would participate in swami's festivals and come to swami for many years after that when you listen to these incidents premit reminds you how swami had said that in the past ages there were defined people who were good defined people who were bad so some people had to be killed some demons were killed and that's all in this age in kali yuga everybody has traces of goodness and traces of badness there is good and evil in the same person so if you go about killing the evil person evil people you will be wiping out the entire population of the earth and therefore i have come to destroy the wicked in you using the weapons of love and that is what you know even this transformation story of the 17 decoits teaches and you can even go back to that letter which swami wrote right every point we can see it happening mm. immediately swami said i have come to correct you know those who are straying away from the right path 
to bring mm-hmm. them to the right path that's what some is doing to give people what they lack and you know if it was even spiritual advice of the highest order even that some was there to give and that was the story of sachidananda which we happened and every other people came to swami and i think we will if we have the time we will be narrating how swami this was the time when swami was doing jesus like miracles mm. you know when he went out into the crowd and was curing people in front of huge crowds huh. and drawing attention well so many more stories prem you know i have also got at least 5 6 more on the list dear listeners don't go away anywhere we'll be right back with you with many more such stories because these years are the years where swami literally exploded in terms of physical miracles and leelas and we will enjoy more of them after this little break Yeah. 
Wow, that's a beautiful and nostalgic uh, bhajan, you know. Yeah, I never get to hear that style of singing. Right. This bhajan itself is so beautiful and we get the chance to hear it. But this kind, this style of singing <laughs> really takes you back to those days. No wonder. Just imagine that beautiful setting in Old Mandir. Swami sitting there. Swami every now and then coming down, sitting with the rest of the devotees and singing along with them. That used to be a practice for a very long time. Even during the Akhanda bhajan, Swami used to sing a lot of bhajans. Well, in fact, <laughs> when you say sing along, <laughs> sing along with them, in part two of the sing along, that is the second volume of sing along that has been released by Sai Blossom, uh, because of popular demand, we have this very same bhajan mm-hmm. and it's really wonderful, the footage that has been used and yes, it is a, a highly recommended video, I feel for any devotee's home sing along because it brings alive a bhajan session where a high quality bhajan is sung where you can follow it at the same time have darshan and it will last for an hour starts with omkaram ends with aarti well if we could take that as a little advertisement and then we come back yes yes and you know coming back to this point of uh, swami doing lot of miracles as we said we spoke of swami correcting the people who were straying away from the straight path we started with that incident you said those 15 thieves who tried to come and steal the old hmm. mandir and swami hmm. brought back the procession and, and the other one where swami transformed these decoits you know uh, during that time when swami was going to these places hmm. uh, when swami traveled to mysore hmm. that was the time when swami started visiting some places in the erstwhile hyderabad state you know hmm. that was under the nizam's regime right yeah. during that time swami actually recognized many of the places because those were places which shirdi baba had uh, visited oh wow that was a time when the rani of chincholi and all were drawn to swami because mm. they were all devotees of shirdi baba who had seen shirdi baba correct and that was a time and during that trip you know swami traveled extensively during those two or three years mm. and swami went to karur swami went to oh uh, yes swami went to kadalur right then that yeah. district of trishnapalli uh-huh. in those uh, you know pre independence days during one of the trips there's one incident very beautiful one where you know there's this huge entourage of car swami cars when swami is traveling to this town mm-hmm. and one of the cars runs over a boy who runs you know across the road oh okay. the car is just run over him and he's kind of very badly injured mm-hmm. so spontaneously somebody informs the police and there's a lot of hullabala happening and this boy is taken to a house mm-hmm. and there swami comes and cures him and mm-hmm. by the time police comes this boy is happily sitting up and running around <laughs> so what is there to register ha huh? right those were all small small things which swami was doing because you know as we described swami was so difficult to accept as somebody who is you know a spiritual master <laughs> the way swami was appearing in no and even you know day to day things that he would do for example here is an account of one muslim taxi driver chauffeur mm-hmm. name he goes by the name abdul sattar Okay he said again you know it brings back that same thing about swami being the god of small things that small thing that totally won his heart okay so he had two experiences one was when uh, he was driving and taking swami to kadalur okay swami insisted on sitting in the front next to the driver mm-hmm. you know it's always considered that you don't sit with the chauffeur you sit behind right he felt so touched with this single act of swami that was not enough um whenever they would drive apparently every uh, hour or so if swami comes across some scenic spot swami would just stop the car and just take a walk in that place enjoy the nature and then get back in the car and proceed 
he did it almost even till the 1990s after which it became impossible for him to take luxury of such a walk because he became too popular and too famous so once when he did that the other uh, hosts who were traveling along with swami they quickly served some food uh, on the leaf for the driver because they felt that wherever swami stops for lunch we will be having lunch how can the driver eat with us you know so they said you quickly have your lunch go to one side have your lunch and come back so abdul said that he went to one side and he was quickly eating when suddenly swami appeared out of nowhere stopped him and said you come here you will drop that leaf and you come here so he said that swami wanted to leave maybe so he stopped eating whatever he left it and he sat in and that time he said swami was admonishing the hosts he was saying there are only two castes in the world that is male and that is female that's it everybody is equal all the males are fathers all the females are mothers that's all it is so no other division is necessary this is all the division that god has made as father and mother so that is what it is the rest all are children this is the advice that swami gave them and swami said we will stop for lunch and we will all eat together swami invited abdul to sit by his side and have lunch and he was so moved and in those days when it was so strict all these things he felt that this must be god and that statement was immediately verified because swami pointed to a custard apple tree a custard apple plant mm-hmm. you know what we call a sita phal right he said go fetch me that fruit he got the fruit he took it in his hand and said to abdul that you have it abdul was again touched because the first person whom swami was giving was him rather than his hosts who were higher and all that and the minute swami gave that custard apple into his hand he saw it had become an apple <laughs> that is the kind of miracle that we think that god does but by the time this miracle was done a miracle in the true sense was done the actual miracle of the transformation of the heart had already happened to abdul satar a similar kind of thing happened when swami was you know traveling to bandipur <laughs> this was certain ranjot singh we spoke about him he okay. was also working as a officer with the government <laughs> and uh, he had invited swami to travel along with him so he wanted to take swami to bandipur he had got his chauffeur and he had got his car and they had come to puttaparthi so swami was traveling in this car and as they were traveling in the car from puttaparthi to bangalore on the way the car suddenly stopped mm-hmm. and there was no petrol in the car that is what the driver said swami asked the driver to get a bucket full of water so he goes to a nearby pond and gets a bucket full of water swami puts his finger into that water and tells pour it in the car and let's drive on the driver thinks that this swami has gone mad so he looks at his master that is ranjot singh and he says sir what do you want me to do ranjot singh is firm in his faith he says what are you looking at my face for he has said you do it so now the driver thinks that both his master and that other guy <laughs> that whoever he is seems to have gone off their head he pours water into the car and then swami sits and says let's start the car now the car starts and they drive on and this driver is you know already bowled over by this again i don't know what was that fascination swami had for apples in bandipur also when they were staying in the visitors bungalow swami points out to one croton bush mm-hmm. if you have seen the croton plant it has huge red leaves right it bears no fruit so swami told the driver go and cover that croton plant with a sheet a bed sheet strange request the driver does that after 2 minutes swami tells him you go remove the sheet when he removes the sheet to his pleasant shock <laughs> that croton plant is bearing apples 
Swami says, get those apples. So he plucks the apples and gets which Swami cuts and distributes to all. So like these little, little things Swami kept doing and it just kept winning hearts over and it, if not winning the hearts, it definitely made people feel that there is something amazingly phenomenal and different about this master. You know, even as you're talking about Swami uh, touching the life of that driver and all, there's so many incidences, you know, we spoke about how Swami visited that cobbler's house. Mm. You know, that was the thing which Swami was doing constantly and, you know, one thing was he was touching the driver's life mm. and the other way Swami was sending out a clear message what kind of behavior Swami likes. If you're going to call yourself a Swami's devotee, how you have to treat the people around you? How mm. you're supposed to treat the people who are working for you? That was something which Swami was clearly doing. And uh, you know, one thing which I remember was, it seems Swami used to be even physically allergic to the smell of drinking and smoking. You know, Not only morally Swami would say, don't do it, it's not right. Swami used to be physically allergic to it. So mm. much so, it used to happen in the earlier years, if Swami gives an interview for somebody and that person has had a smoke before coming for that interview, the whole day Swami wouldn't eat. Because Swami oh. say, my stomach is upset because I had that smell. Swami used to be physically averse to that. Hmm. And it seems once when Swami was traveling like this, you know, Swami had gone to a particular town. There, one of the fellow who was very curious about Swami, who just saw Swami in a car and he was just wondering what Swami is. And he was smoking these, you know, country-made, what BDs. you call BDs. Huh. You know, he was smoking and he was a, you know, villager. He just peeped into the car where Swami was sitting and literally smoked into the car. Hmm. And the moment he did that, everybody saw Swami's face, you know, contorting and Swami couldn't take it. And the people who were around Swami's devotees who saw this and who knew how Swami was, uh, you know, allergic to the smell, caught this fellow and gave him a sound thrashing. You know, mm. beat him up and he was wondering what happened. You know, I'm just smoking, I smoke every day and everybody's beating him and Swami immediately got out of the car and Swami stopped the crowd, Swami told no hitting him. Mm. And on, on the other hand, Swami said, you get some fruits from the car. You know, they always used to have that basket of fruits. Swami asked them to get that basket and Swami gave it to this boy. Swami said, you take this. Hmm. And you know, put an arm around him and very softly Swami told him that, see, don't do this. It's not good for you. You're so young. By the time you get old, it's going to hurt you. Hmm. And Swami got into the car and went away. And the moment the car went away, this fellow fell flat on the road doing sashtang, you know, in the hmm. direction. And he got up and everybody was asking what happened. He said, no, sir, I won't smoke anymore. Wow. You know, nobody has told me so lovingly. And I'll be a fool to continue with this habit. We look at all these as miracles and incidents. But all the while, as you said, small things, Swami was just making his way into the hearts of so many people. And that was happening because even in these small things, He showed His omnipresence, His omniscience and omnipotence. Absolutely. I'm reminded of another incident, a very significant incident in fact. You know, in 1947, India won her freedom. Right. And after that... All of us who have studied Indian history are aware that Sardar Vallabhai Patel, the Iron Man of India, started upon a very ambitious project of amalgamating all different states right. to constitute the Indian Republic. That Actually, was the, goal. The, the situation was that the partition mm. happened and Pakistan and India came to be. And all these princely states had the option of either joining Pakistan or India. Mm. And uh, on paper, I think there was that clause that if they wanted to be independent, they could be. The choice was theirs. Mm. So many of these princely states actually wanted to be independent. They wanted to keep their sovereignty intact. And they wanted that 
style of rule right. or monarchy they wanted the monarchy to right. continue they didn't mind giving their uh, loyalty to one of the countries but mm-hmm. they wanted to keep their kingdom and that that kingly life and that is what sardar vallabhbhai patel recognized as disastrous for right. india as a country because in the middle of the country there are separate kingdoms and there will be territorial battles territorial will... battles is one thing apart from the the rules and laws will be different because the kingdom has its own rules and laws yeah and you cannot the... impose a central law on... in fact it is said that we were speaking about the nizam's kingdom you know even to this day that region which belong to nizam it's not that it doesn't have its share of rich people but even to this day we can see the impression that has been left behind by the feudal system that existed because the rest of the country though it was ruled by british you know the british brought in the modern system of education and there are some positives many positives that the british too brought about so education and all this that is there in the other part is not there in that region which was formerly nizam's kingdom okay we see that left behind even to this day and sardar vallabhbhai patel recognizes and that is why he began this amalgamation of states now almost 17 of these princely rulers people who were ruling these princely states mm-hmm. they feared that you know because sardar vallabhbhai patel had the indian national army behind him and he was using it to integrate all the things so they did not want this to happen so guess what in 1947 all of them came running to swami mm-hmm. in puttaparthi almost 17 rulers Oh okay 17 such princely state rulers they were imagine that many number were there in south india itself <laughs> none of them were from the north but these 17 rulers came to swami saying swami there's this sardar vallabhbhai patel who is going about doing this please protect us from him swami did not give them any reassuring word as such he kept you know talking about different things other things everything other than this thing that they wanted to talk about finally when they pressed swami for an answer swami said in a few years time all will be well now they assumed that this meant that in a few years time the sardar vallabhbhai patel and his energy would go down his enthusiasm would go down his movement will die down and we will continue to be kings of our own little little states and provinces and i think we should also state that sardar vallabhbhai patel was one of the leaders whom swami spoke so highly about you know even in the later years when the mba co started exactly swami used to speak of him as one of the leaders whose leadership qualities were worth emulating um and foremost among them was determination and the sense of oneness right. unity that he uh, propagated to everybody through his actions not mere words so coming back to this so when swami said that all will be fine in a few years time they all assumed that swami is meaning that we will you have our kingdoms back safe right. with us so they were wanted to celebrate it with a feast so they requested swami for a feast to be arranged swami gave them permission after which they immediately made arrangements you know from their respective kingdoms they had the best of cooks coming in and all the materials that were needed most of them came from mysore mm-hmm. so all were brought in and there were a massive banquet was prepared in the meanwhile all the royalty had their own secretaries and under secretaries and people who were attending on them swami went to the area where the feast was supposed to be uh, hosted over there he saw that there were two place two kinds of arrangements one was on a platform where all the royalty would sit and then on the floor where all their secretaries under secretaries and the normal people would sit what swami did was first of all he had all the plates the gold and silver plates that had been served he had them removed 
Okay. After having them removed, he told to replace them with normal leaves. And then he asked for all the common people area to be cleared. <laughs> then he called a few workers. He called the secretaries and under secretaries and told all of them to sit on the platform that was meant for the royalty. <laughs> and having done that, he then called the royalty in. And when the royalty came, they were shocked. Where were they to sit? There's no place on the ground where they can send away these people, and all their places are occupied by this. And authorized by Swami, so they could not tell anything. Swami told all of them to pick up vessels and start serving. And that is what they did. So this was a a very so surprising the, the sight. Common people were sitting and having their food, and the royalty was serving them. Yes, that was when Swami began to clap. They say Swami clapped his hands and then said, "Times have changed. Times have changed." You know those few words from Swami proved so prophetic because. within 3 years from then the indian republic came into existence all these princely states were abolished they were amalgamated into the country and that is how the indian republic came into existence in 1950 on the 26th of january right so that was the time when the democracy came in and for the people by the people exactly and, uh, and you know that is what you know makes this period so special because it was a very very important era even politically in the world stage mm-hmm. you know where india as a democracy was being born and that was a time when actually everybody was wondering will this country hold on together with such ethnically different units making one country mm. and to see that swami was there in the center of it and as the was, glue you know very beautiful really yeah prem there are as you said you know there are so many more stories that we can go on but dear listeners As always Swami's glories and stories are endless we will go on and on hope you enjoyed this segment filled with Swami stories and our hope is that just like it happened to sage vyasa's heart just like it has happened to our hearts your hearts to feel light happy and nice listening to the stories of swami do write in your feedback to us at listener@radiosai.org we will be eagerly awaiting any of your comments and your feedback and we shall try to incorporate them into our satsang in the future whatever you think about this satyam shivam sundaram series and also what you would like us to discuss about in the satsang which is coming so anything that you can write to listener at radiosai.org offering this a humble effort of ours at swami's lotus feet and expressing gratitude for giving us this opportunity to recollect these beautiful stories of his life this is prem from team radio sai and with me is Arvind from Team Radio Sai and we sign off placing our most humble gratitude and love at Bhagwan's lotus feet thank you jai sai ram sai ram you just heard an episode of our radio series afternoon satsang This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was Satyam Shivam Sundaram the life story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on August 22nd 2013 We hope you enjoyed it Your comments and suggestions are very important to us Please mail them to listener at radiosai.org next week same day same time will be the continuation of today's episode stay tuned 
Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.